CEO Doug Roberts, yours truly, has been able to be home for a few days with his family in his own house. It's been great. Um, I've uh, I've enjoyed getting back back to back to the regular routine here at home. Although we're headed out next week on a on a short trip. Actually, we're going to be up with our friends at ERDI Canada in Whistler, which is an amazing place, and I'm really excited to go back there. I haven't been back in a while. After that, then we've got a big week going to the Virginia Association of School Superintendents on Monday, Tuesday, and the Council of Great City Schools on Wednesday, Thursday. We've been having lots of conversations with people. Um, we're out trying to build our membership, build build our group of partners. We're trying to find um, a path to a, a more diverse membership um, in, in many ways, including states. We're trying to add new states, uh, grab meet superintendents from new states where we don't currently have folks and it's been a really great, really great fall just getting out and talking to people and having really good discussions about what we do and why we do it. Um, and I had a really good discussion at a recent state superintendent association conference. Um, and I was being asked by a superintendent, it was just, you know, we were just kind of making conversation and he asked us, um, so what is IEI? And I told him, well, it's this great group of thought leader superintendents. We get together twice a year. We think about new ideas, new solutions to age-old problems in schools. We, you know, tend to be kind of, um, you know, early adopters and those who who, um, who want to, you know, be out on the front edge and, and try new things. And he said, that's great, but, you know, what what is IEI? And, and, and if, if IEI is successful, what will it do? And I really appreciated the question because clearly the gentleman's giving us thought and wants to know what we're made of and really wants to get at the why, why are we doing this? And, um, it was, it was a good, it was good for me to be able to kind of think that through and, and, um, and talk about why we're doing this. And so my response was, if IEI is successful, then we'll be the group that people call to ask, you know, what should we build next? Uh, we want to build a solution that's going to solve XYZ problem in schools. How should we do it? What should it look like? What do you think of these wireframe drawings for this possible solution? Um, superintendents have a, a bird's eye view of everything that happens in a school system from how the buses run to what curriculum is being adopted for third grade reading to um, how are we, how are we doing collaborative planning time in our middle schools? And, um, you know, what better than a group of superintendents to provide guidance, intelligence, feedback, thought leadership to people building products or people thinking about investing in solutions or products that are going to be 
implemented in schools. So I, I believe that if we're successful 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 15 years from now, we will be the group, uh, the group that, that you want to get on record as, you know, what does IEI think is the future of work in this aspect of, of running a school district or this aspect of teaching kids? That's, that's what I think, you know, if we, that, that's what we'll do if we're successful. We'll have measurable impact on the direction, um, you know, from a, from a kind of reasonable school-based perspective on the direction that, um, that the industry takes. And, you know, it's a lot of these conversations happen in silos. You know, you go to, with all respect to the, to the state superintendent associations that we've been visiting, you know, at those, at those meetings, you're largely, um, you've got soups talking to each other and you got a speaker and, and some vendors. Um, and the, and then you go to um, one of the big K-12 industry events and you get a lot of investors and you get CEOs and founders and entrepreneurs and industry types and publishers um, and maybe some you know, superintendents. We, our, our group, you know, we send a delegation to some of these events and it's one of the best things we do. Um, I, I hope that IEI potentially, I think IEI, IEI has the potential to make the conversation sort of um, on a level playing field between the executives who run school districts and the executives who run the, uh, the the big companies, and then of course those who run the private equity and venture capital shops that invest in ed tech companies. And you know, I, I bring this up too because in, in speaking of silos, one of the reasons I started IEI is that I would go to I'd go to some of these conferences and I'd hear panels talking about strategy. Here's how to build your business. Here's how to get revenue for your ed tech product. And I'd hear, you know, basically school districts are hard to work with. They're bureaucratic. Uh, they move slowly. Um, they don't, they're not the most, they're not sophisticated buyers. Sometimes you'd hear people actually kind of, you know, denigrate school districts as, as not being good at at this aspect of their work. And then other times you hear, you know, RFPs, they're, they're difficult, they're a waste of time. Um, and what you should do instead is circumvent all of that and just go straight to the consumers because that's what works for, you know, big tech. Uh, so go, you know, give it away to the teachers and then try to upsell them or give it away to parents and upsell them or give it away to students and then try to upsell the school or the district. And, you know, this, this gets sort of discussed yet. I'm not aware, and there could be one out there. I'm not aware of a company that deployed this strategy and then had a had both a successful impact on um, on kids and on student achievement, and student outcomes, and also a successful exit uh, from their business. I can think of a lot of companies who had successful exits and had impact on student achievement, who went and did the work to go work with all the districts and built the organization to go kind of reach out to school districts and come to events like IEI or, or other events out there to build relationships, to learn, to listen, um, to educational leaders. And so, you know, I think, um, at the same time, I also believe that IEI, we have, we have a lot we can learn and things we can listen to from, from, uh, the private equity side of the house and also from, from, Teachers from groups like Ed Reports. Uh, I was reading, you know, uh, uh, 
my uh, former colleague Karen Vates is out on Twitter, by the way. She's at Karen Vates. She didn't ask me to do this. I'm not. She didn't ask me to plug her. I just think Karen's great, and she's putting out really great ideas on on Twitter. Um, she and I were in a Twitter discussion, I think, on like Saturday morning because we're nerds um, about the about new curriculum, about um, open source curriculum, about um, Ed reports, and how Ed reports is going about the business of trying to figure out which curricula are strongly uh, favored by teachers. And they've done this sort of, I, I, have, I, have, to, ooh, I have to learn more about it, but uh, sorry, I banged the mic there. I have to learn more about it. But um, as I understand it, they've sort of taken, they've surveyed educators across the country to see which curricula are, um, are being seen as sort of um, most authentic, most engaging for kids through teacher surveys. So, you know, how can IEI do a better job of listening to that groundswell, that grassroots movement um, that that Karen pointed me to on Twitter? And so I reached out to everybody on that thread and said, this could be a great IEI session at some point. We should have this discussion because I think if 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 those tools are effective and if superintendents agree and if they think that, you know, because every superintendent I know wants doesn't they, they don't want to just push things down from on high. Uh, we're now doing this. They don't decree. They sort of uh, they they sort of pull things through the system, possibly. But you know, they really want they really want the people who are going to be implementing the solution to be on board with it. So um, you know, if if there's more discussion happening between our group and say um, the the folks having curriculum chats on Twitter. Um, that that would be good for for the overall uh, benefit of the work, and you know I think I think IEI as a thought leadership group could eventually be this sort of well respected think tank. This is what um, this group of of innovative, forward thinking thought leader superintendents believes is the right path forward for solving this challenge in schools or this challenge in classrooms. And you know that's that's that was my answer to. Uh, the superintendent I was talking to, who I, I do hope, uh, and if he's listening, I mean, not, uh, I would say that's unlikely, but oh, maybe he is. If you are listening, um, we would love to have you join our group because that was a really great discussion. And um, generally speaking, that's that's what I think this group is about. And, you know, this this notion of, um, of adoption and, you know, ha- having districts adopt a solution you know, with a with a two pronged approach, with a grassroots plus a relationship building with leadership approach, it's something that many companies have engaged in. And actually, today's episode is uh, with Alex Meese and Mary Malton, the co-founders of Kinvault. And I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with you, just because, first of all, I just I think Alex and Miriam are just terrific people and. Um, they're also, you know, they're business partners and they're friends in real life or they were friends in real life before they started the company. And we talk a little bit about partnership and, you know, cause from my perspective, I think partnerships, it can be really hard working with people is hard, but, um, you know, partnerships in particular, business partnerships can be difficult. And, uh, we talk a little bit about, about their partnership, but, um, you know, that I'm thinking about this, this concept of, um, of you know IEI's role in the in the in the K twelve ecosystem and the the grassroots versus you know leadership driven adoption piece because 
um, you know, Kinvolve's a company that's, they've been around six, seven years. They started off working with schools in New York City. And then for the last, this is, I guess, their fourth school year working directly with districts. And they've been coming to IEI since the beginning, for which we're grateful. Um, and, you know, one of their, this, the space that they work in, which is um, uh, family engagement, family communication with, with families, particularly around attendance, there, there are a couple of um, quite entrenched freemium solutions out there that, you know, they, they do, they do just enough to check a box probably is how Kinvolve would describe it. Um, and you know, they're out there, they're free. Uh, you know, I, like as a parent of, of a school age kid, I'm on one of the platforms cause that's what the district uses. And, um, you know, their, their biggest challenge as innovators is to make the case that the district should use something that does more. And, um, that, that becomes a change management discussion and a change management challenge. And who is better at, uh, and this goes back to the curriculum discussion that we were having on Twitter as well. Change management's hard. Who's better at change management in a school district than the superintendent who leads a school district? Because these folks, you know, um, members of our group and, and other superintendents around the country, change management is, is a major portion of what they do. Um, you know, and for them, it's usually stuff that's that's less technical uh we got to do construction on we have emergency construction project to do on this wing of the school your kid has to go to a different school for the next six months and here's the plan right in fact i'm actually living this as a parent my daughter's school is having construction she's got it at a different school across town aside from a couple of days of buses being laid etc uh the whole thing has worked out great and the district did a great job of managing the change and that's it's what they have to do all the time. They get thrown curveballs all the time. You know, a legislature in a state decides that it wants to cut funding. Um, you have to, you have to, to innovate and figure it out and manage the change and keep everybody sort of pointed at the same goal. So um, I think that IEI is a, a great example of a group of leaders who engage in change management work all the time. And so whether it's... Um, a new approach to curriculum that is going to be better for kids or, um, you know, a new approach to engaging with and communicating with families that might on paper seem, you know, expensive versus a, a free thing. Um, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Um, it takes that executive leadership to make that change happen. And that's, you know, um, IEI is here to be sort of leaders in, in how to do that. So, um, we thank you for listening. Thanks for being here. And um, if you like what we're doing on Talk Soups and CEOs, please tell your friends, tell your family. You can subscribe to us on any of the, I, I publish the podcast on Anchor, but you can subscribe to us on any podcast listening platform, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify and iTunes. Um, we're, we're glad you're here and uh, enjoy this conversation with Alex and Miriam, and we'll be back with you soon. Thank you. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Talk Soups and CEOs on a rainy day here on Long Island. And I'm here with two friends and great um, 
fellow ed tech leaders, Miriam Altman, Altman and Alex Meese of Kinvald. How are you, Alex and Miriam? Doing great, Doug. Thanks for having us on the podcast. Yeah, good to see you guys. Alex, you there? You good? I'm good. Hi, Doug. Are you home in your new home outside of Philly? I am, Doug. I am nice. outside of Philadelphia, yes. Alex just became a homeowner. I've seen yeah. great pictures on Instagram and Facebook. How's the weeding going? It's pretty good. <laughs> I've gotten my fair share of weeding in the past several weeks. <laughs> my husband has quickly adopted the suburban lifestyle with me. That's great. Good. There are actually a few um, ed tech people in that, in that area. I think Jeremy from KickUp lives up there. Been meaning to give Jeremy a shout. Hey, Jeremy, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, good. And Miriam, you're in Brooklyn today? I am indeed. Uh, it is after all the, the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, so I'm really hungry talking <laughs> with you today. <laughs> um, but glad to not be outside too. Well, yeah, appreciate you making time on the holiday and hope it's a, sure. a one full of atonement. Um, so, um, Thanks for being on. So I, I've known Alex and Miriam for a while. We've worked together on a bunch of different stuff. Um, Kinball, their company, has been a great IEI partner. In fact, you all, um, well, Miriam, you were on our panel on women in educational leadership at the last one. Um, and also, you know, we, we had a, our San Juan summit focused on the issue of family engagement, which is um, near and dear to Kinball. We published our, our, our paper on that. So, you know, you Kinvald has been with IEI since its beginning and um, has contributed contributed a lot to our discussions. And aside aside from being a really great partner, so we thank you for that. Um, you can find you guys on Twitter at Kinvald, and then you're both also individually on there, right? Yep, I'm in on there at Miriam Kinvald. All one word at Miriam Kinvald. Mm-hmm. Alex, what about you? I am on there as well at Alex Ed Tech. Great. Good. All right. So I, um, I love hearing the stories from leaders about how they got into this. Um, our superintendents talk about, you know, working their way up from the ranks of teacher, et cetera. Um, you guys have a really interesting founding story, how you found each other and how it was a match made in heaven. So can you tell us how Kinvolve came to be and where you guys met and all that? Sure thing. Uh, so I started my career a little more than 11 years ago as a teacher, a high school teacher, taught social studies in the New York City public school system, and uh, really just identified challenges, including uh, high rates of absenteeism and low rates of family engagement in my classroom from pretty much the first week that I was teaching, and uh, became also impassioned about trying to figure out interventions to solve that problem among my own students. And uh, so, you know, tried a few things that worked, found that when families were involved, the experience was much more positive for my students, but also it was a much easier experience for me as a teacher to ensure they're moving forward towards uh, academic success and high school graduation. So I left the classroom uh, initially actually to develop a school that was my plan. And uh, instead, during my master's in public administration at the NYU's uh, Wagner School of Public Service, where Alex and I met, uh, we had the opportunity to connect. We, we literally met at a happy hour. Uh, that was sort of a kickoff to the, the start of the new school year with our graduate school cohort and uh, found that we had some really common values and passions in, in common. 
Uh, so while I was teaching, uh, and Alex can share more about her story, she was working with parents of children with special needs in the South, uh, South Bronx, and really was seeing from the parents' perspective how much they wanted to be involved in kids' education, but just you know, had a hard time navigating the bureaucracy of New York City. So uh, we started working together, kind of testing out what that looked like by having several classes together and doing some class projects. And then started involved by entering into and eventually moving through the process of winning a policy competition at the University of Pennsylvania. So it all comes full circle for Alex back in the Philly area. And that got us our initial pilot funding, $15,000 check to develop out the prototype of our software and test it, saw results, and grew quite a bit from there, which we can tell you more about. And how did you, how did you explore sort of the... The, the nature of building a partnership. It's different than one founder starting something or, um, you know, our superintendents who progress through the ranks get offered an opportunity to be a deputy. And then, you know, you know, how did you, how did you decide to start something together? What was your process for sort of understanding what that would look like? Well, um, the very, very beginning was me forwarding an email to several graduate students and Miriam was one of the courageous or uh, I don't know what to call it uh, whatever the attribute might be the one to reply to me and say yeah let's enter into this uh, policy competition and we started our career together like Miriam said in the classroom at NYU um, entering into this policy competition writing our our proposal uh, on nights and weekends together like nerdy graduate students do um, at the library using the whiteboard. Um, so that's like literally how we started uh, working together. But through that process, um, having the luxury of being in graduate school and being able to explore ourselves and our interests, our, our passions and so forth, um, that's how we really got to know each other personally and professionally. So. Um, I think in any successful relationship or business or what have you, um, anything that requires two people comes, you know, that sense of friendship and trust and, you know, that mutual respect for the work that we do together, uh, which is ultimately to help kids get back in school, you know, based on our experiences that Miriam shared um, and she in the classroom and me in the community in the Bronx. And tell everybody how you break up responsibilities at Kinvald, who does what? Um, so Miriam is the CEO and I am the CPO. And if you don't know, CPO stands for Chief Product Officer. Uh, so what that means is I manage our product development and implementation of the software and professional services with our school districts and schools across the country. So I've had the, the luxury to visit many of the districts um, across the nation in a very interesting way of supporting change management and shifting from uh, maybe historical behavior of one-way auto call communication to then the two-way text-based communication that our service offers. And then I also help measure our impact. And I'll let Miriam explain a little bit more about what she does as the CEO. Sure. So uh, CEOs may be a little bit more straightforward, but when you're in a small team like we are, that can mean a lot of different things. So uh, what that means today for Convolved in the stage that we are is um, – I'm sort of the CEO and the VP of sales uh, rolled into one. So I manage our, our partnerships team, really focused on uh, not only supporting Alex and her team and retaining our current districts and ensuring that we're delivering high quality service and, and 
you know, bring them back year over year, but also looking at opportunities to spread the word about what we're doing to new potential school district partners across the country. So I go to a lot of conferences to make connections and uh, develop relationships with school district leaders, learn more about their challenges and bring them back to our team as we're developing at our product roadmap. Um, and then on the other end of things, I also manage sort of the financial outlook of the organization, collaborating closely with our uh, CFO, uh, do some internal operational work, hiring and recruiting and sort of retention. Uh, and then importantly, fundraising, which is really important for a small business and a startup business and managing both those investor and board member relationships. Yeah. Um, and the mechanics of your partnership, you guys, last I um, knew, you guys have like a weekly partner meeting. Do you guys still do that? We do. We have a regular standing hour long meeting, which is never enough time. We always run out of time. Right. Uh, and But Slack is our best friend. Cause I was going to say, you must have a Slack touch. channel too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how often do you make that weekly meeting? Like, is it 50%, 75%? You always meet at really? least once a week. Yeah, always. It's like, like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how we move at the pace that we do if we didn't have that opportunity to check in every week. So we always make sure a couple of weeks ago, for example, during the back to school, uh, we were running around at different places, like literally in different parts of the country. And we ended up having our meeting at like 8pm. And I think right. I was sitting on some strange couch just to make sure that we could connect. I mean, that's the thing. It, it sounds silly maybe to some that, that it would be hard to have a make sure you meet once a week, but that is actually a difficult thing to do when you're both running huge elements of an organization um, that's in startup mode. You know, I, I know that I have, whether it's people I'm working with or, you know, when I've had business partners, it's it takes real discipline to make sure you meet. And um, I know you guys both agree there's no substitute for actual at least telephone, if not face-to-face -face video meetings, it's really different than Slack and email and all that stuff. Yeah, it's really important. So I think anything that's important, you'll prioritize and make the time for, even if uh, it is at the 41st hour. Yeah. Um, and then also with all the staff that we manage and work with, it's you know really important to have a touch point every week with them as well, even if we're not you know physically in the office, if we're on the other side of the country or what have you. Uh, it's something Mary and I really baked into the culture of our company and our operations. Yeah. Um, and and there's the element of modeling too, right? Do you guys think about that as, as leaders of the organization? Um, you know, um, talk about how you sort of think about how to model best practices for your team. How big is your team, by the way? As of today, we are 10 full-time, but we are... Uh, in the kind of final hiring stages for a couple of different roles. So we'll be about 14 in the next couple of months, by the end of the calendar year. Nice. Good. Yeah. Good. Growing. Um, yeah, definitely growing. Um, yes, it's, it's really important to ensure. And I think, you know, we heard that from a variety of different um, perspectives, like other founders, uh, investors, um, you know, but I think really as we've lived it, just seeing, how important it is to model the kind of behavior that we want uh, among our team members is really important. So, uh, you know, in, in developing out a culture that is strong is also really important for a team, especially when you start growing like we are. And I'm really proud that our, you know, when our team members are talking to other people about the business and we hear them talk about it, that's one of the things that they, they always 
are sure to mention that we're really collaborative, that, um, you know, we really support each other, uh, that people kind of fill in and chip in as needed and don't get too, you know, ingrained in their own silos because you just can't afford to do that as a small business. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's tough work uh, to grow a, grow a company, but it's also really exciting. And so knowing that you're doing it alongside people who are just as passionate about the mission and excited about the work as you are and that also care about sort of your, your day-to-day and your well-being, I think it's just critically important. So definitely. Yeah. All right. So, and since you're partners, I'm going to ask you a little like buddy partner question. Um, what I'm going to start with you, Alex. What's, um, and I'm going to ask you the same thing, Miriam. What's the, what's sort of the greatest um, gift that you think Miriam's given your business that sort of complements something you can do? It's something that she's just good at that you're happy to let her be the expert on. That's a good question. Um, this is fun. Uh, <laughs> it's like the uh, newlywed game. What? It's like a nerdy newlywed game. Yeah, I was just going to say that, but I stopped myself um, <laughs> because I <laughs> didn't go there. But yeah, Miriam is my work wife, and um, I don't know what I would do without her. Um, I would say we do complement each other quite well. Uh, we've worked with. Um, variety of coaches, executive coaches, and so forth to ensure, you know, we're being the best selves that we can be every day, which has also been a really interesting part of the uh, startup. Do you have the same executive coach or different coaches? Uh, we, we've had the same coach cool. that would work with us together, apart with different advisors. So we, that's yeah. really helpful. Great. Uh, and that was compliments of one of our investors. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's been pretty neat. I definitely recommend it. I would say better than any therapist, me personally. But, I mean, I, my executive coach is the only therapist that I see, and she is amazing because I don't have anyone else to talk to, you know, and having somebody I can just speak candidly with about this problem and that problem, and it's, you know, it's been life-changing for me, so. Yeah, no, I definitely recommend it. Um, but to your, I guess, first your yeah. question, um, Mary, I am very detail-oriented, and I guess that comes with the role of product, of looking at every specific detail, and sometimes getting bugged down the weeds, so I do respect, and I do look towards Miriam's more um, global, high-level vision of the company, and having that North Star to point to, uh, since I think, you know, that's really important to have that yin and yang, and um, I do, you know, make sure to remind myself of that when I do get very, very very deep in the weeds of the work of our general purpose and our, our mission and the problem that we're trying to solve. Great. All right. So Miriam, what's, what's a gift that Alex gives to your business that uh, compliments you. And that's something that, you know, sort of unique to her. Yeah. Thank you, Alex. That's very nice. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I guess this speaks to our partnership. First of all, speaking of partnership, we've worn like the same outfit more times than it is, than is at all something we'd ever want to admit, like a very similar outfit. I was going to ask about this. Do you yeah. coordinate? No, not on purpose. No. We just, we have worn the same outfit to presentations frequently. People like think we're sisters, cousins. What, you know, it's like, oh, maybe that shows the kind of wavelength they're on usually. Um, but anyway, back to the, the question, I was going to say something similar to Alex, which is that, you know, I'm a, I think I'm like organized and detail oriented enough to, to get by and to like be effective in my role. But Alex is much more so and really helps keep people on track in the day to day, which I very, very much appreciate. And um, 
And I think, you know, something I've always told Alex, I think she's also just, you know, we have different personality traits that are, that benefit the, the company. Uh, and there's lots of different stakeholders that um, we have to engage with. So it's internal team members who have different personalities, but also, of course, our, our customers uh, have, have different needs and personalities and our investors have different expectations and personalities as well. So, you know, it's, it would be hard for one person to really excel at making all those connections effectively. I think Alex is really great at having, you know, the, the right kind of tone, empathy, um, but also the kind of right amount of uh, sternness isn't quite the word I'm looking for, but, you know, authority, I guess, with our, with our customers as well, because we have become experts in this area. And while we're always learning, we do always want to make sure that we're sharing um, what we have learned uh, by working with districts nationally, with districts that are just getting started with this work um, on family engagement and tenants improvement. I think she strikes really a great balance when it comes to working directly on the ground with our districts. Yeah. Thanks for the segue. Cause I was just about to say the thing that I think I've, I've learned from both of you over the years, but you know, I think our group at IEI learns from you whenever you speak is um, you know, you, you bring a, a very um, palpable passion and personal commitment to your work at Kinvolve, and I think that that benefits, you know, I, I hope it benefits your business greatly. It, it certainly benefits in how, you know, you're always sort of received by our group, and that's what's a, why it's always great to have you um, at IEI. But I think that, um, you know, your your ability to tend, kind of translate your personal story and your personal commitment into a business that's achieving real results um, is, uh, is a great thing for all of us and a great thing for your general niche of the K-12 industry. Um, talk a little bit about where you're working and some of the really great stories you have out in districts. And I, I, would, I do want to mention real quick, um, IEI districts working with you right now are Doherty County. Um, Coffee was in before. I don't know if he's coming back. Um, who else? Uh, North Brunswick, Paducah, Kentucky. Wayne. Who else? Wayne County, Wayne. Georgia, right? Oh, I can't forget Dr. Brinson. Uh, any other IEI oh. districts working with you? Paul Mack. Uh, Palmyra Macedon, upstate New York. The great former superintendent of the year, Dr. Robert Ike. Anybody else? I don't know. Your list is always growing, Doug. So it's hard. To, it's hard <laughs> right. for us to keep up. But I think right. that's it. I think that's everyone. That, that's the list as of now. So you know, um, and that, that's a. It's a great. It's that's what that's IEI magic right there. You come and build those relationships um, and build your business, and and those districts are, I know. Um, uh, seeing results, but tell us what are the really great success stories out there for you right now? What, what districts are you pointing to as being a great place to show off um, your ability to help kids and families? Yeah, our districts range from small to large rural and urban um, and urban, you know, we're also operational in the New York city department of education and um, over a hundred schools there. Um, so success looks different in every district. Um, and, Every district that we work with um, has worked so hard around that change management factor of shifting from one-way engage one-way communication with families to that two-way communication engagement between school and home, and that's what we're really seeing to drive improvements in academic outcomes and attendance. And that if you can build relationships with families and students themselves, um, 
you know, of course they'd want to come to school and the family that feels cared about and, you know, you're sending them a text message in a language other than English that they, they understand and can write back to um, has really made all the difference in the work that we do. And that's something that's really important to Miriam and myself, um, our, our personal and professional goals, closing that equity gap um, that is very persistent across our country um, you know, especially in high need urban communities, but, um, specifically, uh, you know, Coffee County is just one of our wonderful districts in Georgia. They're doing such a fantastic job now of really shifting behavior. Um, I've been working with their attendance teams across all their schools and, uh, you know, they, they really do have the heart, um, you know, they put the heart in the center of the matter, uh, to make Kinbo something successful. And, I say that anything, um, you know, can communicate with families, um, your own phone, your own, you know, email account, but it's how you use any tool in your district. Um, so that's something that we've been working really hard on just that, the empathy, intention and engagement of our product. And then um, some of our districts are seeing, um, you know, statistically significant results in reducing chronic absenteeism and improvements daily attendance and you know there is that correlation with with you know the text messages that are being sent um we're also now working in um, a pilot in dc public schools which has been fascinating working with a research team there to see what is it that's improving uh you know that attendance quotient across the schools yeah the um the the, the thing i want to you know put in a little IEI plug there too because um coffee county which is like you know you're pointing out as one of your great districts the the peop, the districts that come to IEI are not afraid to try something new. When you guys get started in coffee, you didn't have anybody in South Georgia. I don't think you had any districts in Georgia, right? Um, and Dr. Lease and his team brought you in, and were willing to sort of give it a try because it's while there was no study that said it had worked in you know a hundred Georgia districts, uh, the the common sense on face value, right, said that it this, this should work. So I'm glad to hear it's working. And that's, you know, when companies consider coming to II, they always ask me who's coming. And, you know, sometimes they want to know, they want to see that all the big districts are coming and, you know, big districts are great, but what's more important to us than size is um, orientation around innovation and open-mindedness to meeting companies that do something that you haven't seen before. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're about. Um, and, and let's really quickly, you mentioned a couple of things about Kinvolve, but for folks who are not familiar with how Kinvolve works, um, really quickly, um, Coffee is doing attendance-based text messages. Tell us really quickly what the solution is. Yeah, so uh, Kinvolved um, offers Kinvo, which is a web and mobile application that has been built to improve family engagement uh, by way of two-way translated text message and email. Uh, so parents can receive text messages in their home language, their native language, and write back in that language. Uh, and that's, that, that's our product that's very tactical essence. Um, so we do focus on all facets of family engagement in the school community, but particularly two-way attendance communication. Great. Good. Thank you. Um, and... Uh, again, you can find Kinvolved on Twitter at Kinvolved and at www.kinvolved.com. Um, so the last, and also I'm sure you're going to be at a bunch of stuff this fall, right? Council of Great City Schools, you'll be there. We'll be there. Hopefully we can 
see each other. Anything else big that you're going to where you could potentially bump into folks from districts? We'll be at the Thought Exchange Summit in Austin, November 6th through the 8th. Um, nice. And then we'll be at AASA in the spring uh, yep. and doing some you know, local uh, you know, conferences with the NJASA and a couple of other states where we have work going on. Oh, also next week, we will be, our colleague Mitch will be at Georgia Bootstrap, speaking of Georgia School District. Oh, so yeah. That'll be, in, that'll be next week, October, I think, 14th through the 17th. Georgia Bootstrap, which I've been to many times, is probably the only state superintendent conference I'm not going to right now. <laughs> but I uh, look forward to meeting Mitch at the next one. And uh, Thought Exchange, great IEI partner as well. Glad you're going to be with them. So um, so we're going to wrap up with our, our sort of um, little segment we do with everyone who comes on. Um, the thing I've learned and noticed about great leaders, whether they're entrepreneurs or um, people in the pressure cooker of the superintendency, they all have the, the really effective ones have really good morning routines. So I love hearing just from all of our soups and CEOs, how they get the day started. So um, uh, Miriam, why don't you go first? Sure. Uh, so this is a funny question because my sister who's an artist uh, is always making fun of me for my routines because they're so seemingly regimented. So I appreciate that you appreciate my routines, Doug. <laughs> um, but I, uh, so I usually wake up in the morning, I, I set my alarm for 6.15, I always, almost always let it snooze at least once, usually twice. Uh, then I, uh, I go to the gym in the morning, so I usually work out for about an hour, I do some combination of the, the bike and the elliptical, and definitely try to get some yoga in there, which is a new addition to my morning routine. Uh, and then I usually am really running out the door, it takes me like 15 minutes or 20 minutes to get myself ready to go out the door. Uh, I catch the ferry at 8, it is 8.19 on the dot is the time of the ferry. And then I'm usually in the door at work by about 8, between 8.40 and 8.50, depending on how on routine the ferry is on schedule. And are we working out five days a week, three days? Usually five days if I can. That is impressive. Try. All right, Alex. I was once like Miriam, so that is also something I aspire to be like so from a very <laughs> wonderful North Star for the business. Um, <laughs> but now you're in the burbs. It's different out there. Now I'm in my car at six something on a train, but uh, I, I love uh, where I live, but it's also wonderful to be able to just do a hop, skip and jump into our office. Um, but this morning, because I did work from home today, I was able to work out similar to Miriam. Maybe we were doing the same bike class. And then I did try, I'm trying to build this in, 10-minute um, meditations with different focuses. So you can't, I wouldn't recommend doing that while driving because you have to close your eyes <laughs> But while you meditate. But uh, when I'm working from home or maybe, uh, you know, on the train, it's really easy and it's very, you know, calming and for anyone that knows my personality type, I'm not the calmest. So any help I can get Same. on that end, uh, you know, the better. <laughs> nice. Well, the, the irony of being on a podcast with you too is that, Miriam, you're one of the first people who introduced me to how interesting podcasts could be. And, um, and so here I am doing one. Um, and it's, I would say it's, it's fun, but it's, it was great having you guys on. Is there anything else you want to say or shout out about Kinvald? This is like preparations for when Miriam and I are going to be on How I Built This. 
which is our exactly. other podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah, except the How I Built This Guy won't be trying to shut his phone down during it and accidentally hitting the Siri button. I do apologize for that. <laughs> um, so <laughs> a little more professional outfit. But hey, we're just getting started. We're a startup. A lot going on. you got to run to some meetings. i got to run to some meetings. But um, really appreciate having you guys on. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a, a partner to IEI over the years. And um, have a great rest of the day. And I hope you have a good break fast tonight.